Content in this episode may be graphic or triggering. Please take care while listening. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Welcome back to the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast with your host, Detective Chris Anderson and attorney Fatima Silva. I hope you all have been enjoying our podcast for the past five months. This episode marks our 20th episode. Fatima, can you believe that we've already recorded 20 episodes? That's a lot of bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of talking on Mm -hmm. my part. And learning, of course. Um, wow, 20 episodes. I didn't, I honestly, when we started this, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to episode five. It was so much extra work. But thank you to all our listeners. We have loved getting your feedback on how you're enjoying each podcast. Please feel free to let us know what you're liking, what you're not liking so much, and what you want more of. Because we want to know. We want to get our listeners. They're so loyal. We want to get them what they're asking for. Right. And we appreciate the loyalty, but we know we have received a lot of requests for updates on some of the cases that aired on Reasonable Doubt. Fatima and I promise to get you some of those updates as the cases develop, but tonight we have one for you. Finally. I know. Not only do we have some important news, but we have some important guests too. Definitely. That's right. So 
Many of you may remember the case of Lee Harris and the murder of Dana Feitler. The case aired on Reasonable Doubt uh, on Investigation Discovery back in September 2021. If you don't remember the case, head over to idgo.com or Discovery Plus. Hopefully you have that by now. And make sure you go to Reasonable Doubt Season 4, Episode 10. This episode was titled A $25,000 Performance. Chris and I will fill you in a bit on the case here as well. It's not going to be able to cover everything that happened in the episode, though. So we know you all like to have all the details. So make sure you go back and watch that. So you know exactly what happened in this case. You know, Fatima and I will get you all caught up on the latest on this case. But before we dive in, Fatima, what are you sipping on tonight? Well, 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 I'm glad you asked because... I have something new tonight. So one of our listeners, one of our most loyal listeners is a dear friend of mine, Esteban. He has been a fan of Reasonable Doubt from day one and a fan of our podcast. So he's awesome. And recently my family took a trip over to Slow, San Luis Obispo, to visit him and his family. And he showed up with this beautiful bottle Oh. of Rod and Hammer's Slow Stills Cask Bourbon. It's from his hometown. Slow, for a lot of you who don't know, it's where the that Kristen Smart case took place. It's a beautiful little town on the coast. So Rod and Hammer's was founded in 2019. And Rod is from California and Hamish comes from Australia. They use purified water from the Pacific Ocean to capture the soul and essence of the waters that united them. So California meets Australia. The reviews say it's got like a caramel, white pepper, and a note of charred corn. And I have to say, I agree. It has like this nice marshmallowy sweetness in the beginning, and which I love. And it's got this spiciness to it as well on the finish because it definitely tastes like burnt corn. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little of that flavor. But it's so good. And I'm noticing this about bourbons. It's so weird how when you first take a sip, it's so different than the aftertaste. Mm -hmm. Really? Like the notes in the beginning when you first sip it and then you give it like a few seconds and then you, you're experiencing something else. That's what's so interesting to me about bourbon. You're right, gonna, right, right. Right. It's like it's got different levels to mm -hmm. it. So this has that sweetness and then definitely has that peppery corn taste to it so it's good though i i enjoy it and i'm going to enjoy this for only a little longer because as i've talked about many times chris i'm going through fertility treatment soon so i will not be able to or at least shouldn't be drinking any more alcohol so we got to get creative on what we can do as far as who's drinking with you i mean i'll be right. drinking tea or something but Maybe if an audience member has a really good bourbon they enjoy and they want to email us or write to us and let us know their review of that bourbon, we'll yeah. say your name and we'll talk about it here on the podcast because uh, we know there's still people who like to hear about the bourbons. That's the right. That's right. And it, we're all about sharing here on the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast. So listen, if you have your particular bourbons that you'd like for us to talk about, send us a review through the email, crimeandcookiejuicepodcast.com, and we'll yeah. read it off, and then we will give you your credit. And please send it in, because if not, you guys, I'm going to be reviewing my tea right. or my water with lemon. <laughs> Do you really want to listen to a podcast about that? <laughs> no, I know, right? So, What are you sipping on, Chris? For, for me tonight. Anything new? 
anything new. I don't know if this is new. It feels like I've reviewed this once before because this is a bottle that I've had in my repertoire for quite some time. It's the Oban 14. It's spelled O-B-A-N. 14-year-old bottle. The flavors of it are orange peel, smoke. It's real smoky. Sea salt and honey distinguished. It's full body highlighted malt. I like my bourbon smooth on the front end and sometimes just a little bit nutty and spicy on the front end, but not too mm -hmm. much of a burn. I like for it to be smooth the entire yeah. way. So Oban definitely delivers that for me. I like it. I've loved it for years. All right. Well, I hope everyone has their preferred beverage ready. Mm -hmm. Chris, let's dive into the case of Lee Harris. So guys, I want you to take a little bit of a trip with me. It's the late 80s. Chicago's Gold Coast was the second most affluent neighborhoods behind Manhattan's Upper East Side. The area is littered with architectural standouts, luxury high-rises, award-winning steakhouses, and mansions that span the city block. But just a half mile away, in stark contrast, was Chicago's most notorious housing project, Cabrini Green. A neglectful housing authority created an anomaly where Chicago's best and worst neighborhoods sat side by side. And of course, crime was a prop. Dana Feitler was young for a typical Gold Coaster, but she came from an affluent and well-connected family. Her dad was a successful executive for National Shoe Brand, and her parents ran a foundation, doling out money to prestigious universities. The night of June 18, 1989, Dana had gone out with friends for drinks. She was celebrating getting into grad school. And after dinner and drinks, she was dropped off at her apartment and as she stopped in the lobby to get her mail, she was ambushed by three men. They wanted money, but she was out of cash. The three men forced Dana to walk to an ATM with them. Dana made two withdrawals of $200. She was then taken into an alley and shot in the back of the head. A homeless man stumbled upon her body within half an hour and alerted authorities. The news coverage was immediate and unrelenting. Robberies were not uncommon, but cold-blooded execution and murder in this area was unheard of. Investigators did what they always do when a crime happens in the Gold Coast. They look at Cabrini Green. Lee Harris was a high-rise window washer that everyone in Cabrini Green knew, and they liked. He organized girls' softball games and lobbied for Democrats to pledge to improve the projects. When former Mayor Jane Bryan and her husband moved to Cabrini Green as a publicity stunt, they saw Lee as a man who could show them around. He would take regular walks with them and often end up at Wrigley Field for a Cubs game. And the police officers took notice of Lee, too. Over the years, Detectives Ward and McHugh would regularly come to Lee's softball games and have drinks with him afterwards. They even attended his wedding. For investigators, it was a working relationship. Lee would provide them with tips about crimes coming out of Cabrini Greens. Lee would provide them with tips about crimes coming out of Cabrini Green as long as they didn't ask him to testify. So when Dana Feitler was murdered, Warden McHugh went straight to Lee and incentivized him with the $25,000 reward being offered by the Feitlers. Over the course of the investigation, Lee gave a whopping 20 statements, each one more detailed than the last. Each statement placed him closer and closer to the crime. Eventually, Lee claimed he was with the two other men who robbed her and watched helplessly as they shot her. When police showed his picture to a witness who had seen Dana that evening with three men, she identified Lee Harris, and they promptly arrested him and charged him with murder. 
Another tip came in when a man named David Tolls told investigators that Lee confessed to him when they were both jailed. Lee Harris was tried and convicted in March of 1992, receiving a sentence of 90 years without the possibility of parole. None of the other men who abducted Feitler were ever charged. Yet, this past week, the court overturned Lee's conviction, and he is now a free man home with his family. Now, in full transparency, although we had doubts about Lee's guilt, reasonable doubt did not get behind this case. I had my reasons, and, well, let's just say Fatima and I had a difference in opinions on this case. So... You all know how sometimes Chris and I have joked about tough seasons and times we've been in straight disagreement and I want to fight everyone on production. This would have been one of those times that we're talking about. Season four was actually a pretty difficult season for us, for me. And this was one of those cases where we just could not come together and see eye to eye. But in the end, we have to be on the same page. And I respect my partner and I would never want to pressure him to get behind a case just because I believed in it. He had to believe in it, too. So in this case, that was difficult. And there were a few reasons, right, Chris, that you just couldn't get behind the case. Yeah, it was. I want to always be fully transparent when I talk about these cases. I could see the points that you were making and where you were coming from, but For me, it came down to a few things, and I'm not saying that I was wrong about these things, just that they didn't sit well with me. So I don't think that we could be much of help to him. One of the leads that we had in this case was about the lead detective. Investigator Richard Zuli was accused of using very forceful tactics when he talked to suspects and witnesses. And while we discovered that this was true in many cases, Lee told me something different. When I called him, He stated to me that he was not physically assaulted or threatened by Zuli or any other detectives. He actually described the opposite to me. He said that he was approachable, somebody that you can talk with. The other issue for me was, I know this one was difficult for you to overcome too as well. Against his attorney's advisement, he gave a statement to law enforcement. And in that statement, he talked about his involvement. And that really sealed his fate. If he wasn't threatened or any physical force was used against him, I couldn't understand why would he do such a thing? Yeah, this, I mean, I had to agree with you when it came down to this fact. It it was difficult to accept. It was very frustrating on my part because up until this point throughout the case, we worked tirelessly and I had a timeline and there are so many additional things that didn't even come out in the episode that did not sit well with me and made me really wonder about his guilt, but this fact was difficult for me to accept as well. His attorney told him not to give any more statements, not to waive having an attorney present, and he waived it. And that's a big deal to me. So he pretty much buried himself. But based on his relationships with local law enforcement, all I could think of was that he did this and he made these final statements to law enforcement, to the prosecuting attorney, because he really trusted these law enforcement officers and he thought he was going to be protected. But unfortunately, he was in real deep at that point and he was charged and convicted. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, Lee Harris voluntarily put himself in this situation. He was willing to lie and capitalize on Dana's death. He was an informant 
He was a valuable law enforcement informant. And they dangled this large reward in front of him, and suddenly he becomes a witness in the case. They even put him up in the hotel for months at the beginning of the case. And then he just digs himself deeper and deeper and deeper into the case to where he ended up being a suspect. Now, I didn't believe he was guilty for those reasons, but I wasn't 100% sure that he was innocent either. Because ultimately, as we explained to the family, we don't believe justice was ever served in the case because Lee is the only person that was arrested for Dana's murder. But it was always clear in his statements that he was not the shooter. So why did police simply stop looking for other men that were involved in this case? That never made sense to me. They used Lee to close a case. And this we agreed on 100%. Mm -hmm. We definitely felt like justice was not served. Law enforcement knew. They had names. They had tips of other individuals. And because they couldn't get them, because different reasons, they weren't getting the confessions out of those people, they weren't going to get what they needed, I feel like they used Lee as a scapegoat. And Lee admits, I mean, he admitted to you on reasonable doubt when he spoke with you that he was willing to do basically anything for that $25,000. And it is unfortunate because it did get him involved in this situation. But this is what's wrong with law enforcement at this time is preying on the desperation of people. You know, people who live in Cabrini Green are just barely trying to make it. They're barely getting by. He washes windows during the day. He was even, I, I think at some point, like slinging a little here and there, small time drugs to friends. I mean, basically trying to earn a living. And then you're going to say, give us some information on this murder. And you have $25,000. You prey on the desperation of people. And you're oftentimes going to get what you're looking for, which is somebody trying to give tips and information. And I think he got real caught up in this because of his relationship with these officers and trusting them, right? They are putting them up in hotel rooms long before he's even a suspect. They are going to his wedding. I mean, these are people he knew on a first name basis, and he had a different kind of relationship with them compared to most people in Cabrini Green and their relationship with law enforcement, right? Yes, where I, I disagree with that statement because, you know, look, we can talk about how law enforcement dangled a carrot in front of Lee's face the entire time, but Lee also took a bite of that carrot when he was trying to manipulate law enforcement so that he could get that $25,000. He was trying to profit off of someone else's murder. And, and while I understand your point, I just don't, I just don't agree with it. I mean, that, that doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. I think ethically both should be questioned, right? The reason I feel strongly that law enforcement should be held accountable in something like this is because are you really seeking the truth? Are you? You're dangling this information. You see every single time he's not getting the statements accurate. In the very beginning compared to his last statements, they're way different. So from law enforcement standpoint, if you believe he really did it, then you could be saying, oh, he's just trying to detract and he's getting the story wrong. But why would he do that if he's trying to get the $25,000, right? And I remember these were arguments you and I were having that week. So we're kind of going It, feel, it kind of feels like we're going back to 20. Yeah, because this is the conversation you and I were having and I remember it clearly. And you were saying, well, okay, well, no, he, they're not feeding him the information. That's not why his statements change. His statements change because he realizes that he's got to start telling the truth. And in the beginning, he's just trying to throw them off. Mm. But my theory was, no, he's trying to get that money 
but in the beginning, he doesn't have enough information. He's like, oh, this is how it happened. And then they're like, nope, you got to get, you got to come up with something else. And they're slowly feeding him information. Now, do I think this happens with all law enforcement? Absolutely not. Do I think it was happening with Chicago around these times? I do. I do. They had a reputation for this. They were just trying to close cases so that people felt more comfortable, especially you're talking about Cabrini Green being right near this fancier, bougier part of town. And you want people in that area, all these rich folks to feel safer. So what do you say? Oh, we got the guy who did it. And you just use this little guy who is looking to get paid. Now, does Lee have some accountability as well? Absolutely. And he's been doing the time for it all these years. And I'm sure he has been kicking himself all these years for even involving himself for that $25,000. That's not right on his part. But everyone involved has some accountability. And I don't think you can just say, well, it's all Lee. No, law enforcement shouldn't go preying on desperate people and paying them or incentivizing people to give them stories because then that's not going to lead to the truth. And you should know that as a good investigator. You know, there was a lot of that when we discussed this case. <laughs> I think we probably ran through a whole bottle or two of bourbon because we kept having to disconnect, break. I remember getting else. up and storming out sometimes. Right, right, right. Oh, so, Lord. You know, the, anyway. This is still so, a, it's still a tough case because remember now, we still have a family out there who, even after all these years, they still have not received justice. This is injustice, not only because nobody else was ever held accountable for this murder, despite strong evidence of the others involved, but because there was misconduct, and not only in the investigation, but also in the prosecution of Lee Harris. So as of last week, Lee Harris is a free man. His conviction was reversed. The court has not made the exact reasoning clear, and the prosecution apparently agreed with the post-conviction relief, but whether it was all of the defense team's arguments or a select few is unclear. So I'd like to just share some of the arguments laid out in Lee's petition, because I think these are important. And once again, we don't know which one the court relied upon or all of them, some of them, but one issue was a key witness who testified against Lee was a man named David Tolls. And he was in jail with Lee Harris, and he claimed Lee Harris confessed to him and that he was involved in the murder of Dana Feitler. It turns out that Tolls later recants this testimony and confesses that he made it up because he was incentivized to lie. And there were other cases where Tolls received benefits as well. So he's basically a paid snitch. But because the prosecution never divulged this to the defense team that Tolls was incentivized for his testimony against Harris, and Tolls himself lied on the stand about receiving any benefit for his testimony. This is a big deal legally. It's called a Brady violation. And basically, the state withheld material impeachment evidence in violation of the law. A Brady violation is extremely serious, and it can reverse a conviction. Another argument was that Lee Harris was denied due process when detectives effectively promised him he would not be charged if he made statements about Feitler's murder. So although this was Lee's claim the entire time in his defense back in 1992 that he was just saying these things because, you know, he was promised this money, he was promised he wouldn't be charged, a due process violation based on the enforcement of a cooperation agreement was only first recognized by the Illinois Supreme Court in 2015. So this is many years later. I personally believe that Lee signed and said everything he did because he was basically being groomed by the investigators and made promises that he wouldn't be charged if he said these things. 
I think this is the only reason he would admit to being involved in this crime if he wasn't. And a final argument made in his recent petition was that Lee's confession was obtained by police misconduct. So in this case, he argued he was denied due process where newly discovered pattern and practice evidence establishes that Detective Richard Zuli, John McHugh, Terrence O'Connor basically secured Harris's conviction through unconstitutional means. This could mean promises, threats, coercion. It's really unclear. If we're talking about Richard Zuli's track record, you'd expect that the means was probably more coercion, torture tactics, things of that nature. We know that there was a witness in this case, a friend of Dana Feitler's, who even when he was being interviewed, they were using very strong, aggressive tactics in just interviewing him, such as they dragged him out of bed. They assaulted him down at the police station. They had turned the AC up and he was only there in his underwear. Those kinds of things are basically what a lot of these detectives back at that time in Chicago PD were being accused of, of doing in order to get coerced confessions or some kind of witness participation. So we don't know exactly what happened to Lee or what he's claiming. It is, I am interested in that because he did tell you that basically his relationship with Zuli, he felt comfortable and it was easy to talk to Zuli. So it's unclear whether or not one of these reasons or all of them led to the court's reversal of his conviction. But prosecution agreed to the relief and they will not be prosecuting Lee any further. So it goes without saying that the Feitler family is devastated that he has been released. And they also released a statement and I'll read a portion of it here. 34 years ago, our daughter and sister, Dana Feitler, a kind, hardworking and talented 24 year old Chicagoan was randomly abducted from her lobby of her home and murdered. Not a day has gone by where the memory of Dana's loss has not been present in our family's lives. Lee has given statements saying, my heart goes out to the family because for over 33 years, that family, they thought they had closure. Lee Harris said moments after he was released from prison, now the wounds have reopened. I feel so sorry for them. My heart goes out to them. I just hope them the best. And we will actually get to hear directly from Lee very shortly. One thing I really remember this week, and Ching will remember too, our makeup artist. So when you were doing interviews, we would try to go and do an investigation of the area where this occurred. And I really wanted to see Chicago's Gold Coast and Cabrini Green and just get a better feel for what we were talking about in this case. Mm -hmm. And we went to the apartment building that Dana lived in. <laughs> and I guess this was common back then. It's just nowadays who would have a building like this, but you would just be able to walk through the front door and it was always open. That first glass door, imagine this apartment building and it's got two doors. So the first door is always open. You can just walk in. And that's where everybody's mailboxes are. And so you would check your mail. And then to get through the next glass door, you needed a key. Mm -hmm. Well, what was happening here was when Dana went in, she was checking her mail. And she was standing there at her mailbox. And this is how the three men were able to get through that front door is there was no lock on that front door. It wasn't right. until you tried to get into the main part of the apartment that you needed a key. So 
when we went to that apartment now to take a look at it, everything looked the same. All the photos, the mailboxes are still there. It was very haunting. You could see the two glass doors. And so, you know me, I walked up to see if I can get in. And of course, now that first door is locked. Mm -hmm. And I just can't help but think these kind of security, easy, easy security fixes could have avoided Dana even being put in this situation because they would not have been able to get through that first glass door had it not been for this lack of security and the door being unlocked. So my heart goes out to them as well. I mean, they remain victims in this case. Law enforcement failed them. The prosecution failed them. Committing misconduct to get convictions will never lead to justice. And now, unfortunately, they may never see justice. But yes, we are thrilled to have Lee and his son, Jermaine, on our podcast tonight to talk about Lee's freedom and this long-awaited reunion. If you saw the episode, you may recall Jermaine was Lee's son. He was only seven years old when his father was arrested. And despite Lee being behind bars, they had an amazing relationship. And Jermaine has never given up the fight for his father. It was a beautiful father-son relationship. Right, Chris? It was. It was. So on with us now, we are going to bring in Lee Harris and his son, Jermaine. How you doing? Doing well. It's good to hear your voice again, Lee. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And that's for lack of better words. That's good, man. Lee. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. What are you feeling? I mean, this must be overwhelming. It's been a... It's been a nonstop rat race. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Every day, something new happens. Wow. What was the feeling like when you got the notice from the judge saying that your case has been, you've been exonerated? How, tell me about that. Well, what happened was everybody knew two weeks before I did. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't tell me because they said they had to notify the family. Mm-hmm. the victim's family. And they say because of ethics, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't be fair to right. tell me and it, it might leak out to the press. Right. And they hear So you knew Jermaine? Yeah, I, I was in the loop. So uh, we had like a deadline on when we, could, they told, gave us a deadline on when we could start letting people know. So <laughs> right that's when they started letting people know, right at the deadline. <laughs> What what were those emotions for you, Jermaine? Oh man, it, it was exciting because, like we said, we still talk on the phone all the time. So, like one day we watching, we, we, we just talking on the phone. He, um, so I just went and took my ID, but I have no idea what's going on. So it was like a giant wink, wink, because everything's on a recorded line. So it's like we kind of we we knew. We were like, I'll see you Thursday. Tell us both what was what's the first thing you did, Lee, as soon as you left those prison gates. What what'd you do? I went and had me a bacon double cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Lee, I remember you saying something about you wanted a cheeseburger when we talked the on big, the phone. They How gave was me it? the biggest one. They all oh. <laughs> words cannot describe it. Right, right, right. So it was pretty cool thing about this whole scenario. Um, we didn't actually notify the press or anything like that. So when we got to the burger joint, there are cameras there. And then camera crews figured out where we we're at. So they kept coming through. Really? To get them to eat this burger. But the best part was as 
after he fed us, the owner of the restaurant left a, on the receipt. It was blank and just said, welcome home. Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What's the name and, of that restaurant? Uh, the name is, it's called Monzo's Restaurant. Monzo's Burgers. Monzo's Burgers. Shouts out to Monzo's Burgers, guys. Yeah. And Monzo's Burgers. Awesome. So, Lee, what what now? I mean, what are you guys looking forward to the most? What have well, you guys been up to? It's been nonstop. Every day is something different. Uh, Sunday, uh, I was invited to a church service. Uh, tell the whole story. Where did you meet well, the church lady at? Jermaine took me to the to the Bulls basketball game uh -huh. uh, Thursday night. And Friday we sat night. by we sat by two two people. And when we got there, they say, hey, we was just talking about you coming in. And here you come sitting by me. Well, they invited me to church. Mm -hmm. I went to church with them. They had a whole side of the church reserved and they had cameras. And I didn't know I had no idea about this production. And the minister. He said, hey, I got something exciting to tell you. We have a special guest here. We have a man that's been locked up for 33 years, and he was exonerated, and he's in the house with us today. Wow. And the place went wild. <laughs> and they, he said, Lee Harris, where are you? And I stood up, and I went residential way. And he said, said uh, Say anything. And I did I, I I did my best. And he told me, he said, okay, listen, we're going to take care of you. you. You want us now. So yesterday they called me and they said, hey, we got some people that want to meet you. I said, okay, I mean, I think I can make it. Well, it was the tailors. The tailors from the church was there and they made me customized suits and shirts. Oh, wow. wow. I said, hey, what's going on here? He say, listen, we got to make sure you look good. I've, se I've seen the video of his say something. It's at least five minutes, and he didn't stay in his seat. He walked up front. So he's he being modest. He definitely, I love he, definitely that. he definitely walked up front and gave him the show they wanted. That is so great That's to good. hear. Community right now is most important for you, Lee. And a church community, that is awesome. You know, they are going to be there to support you and love on you. And I can't imagine what it's like being out after 33 years. I'm sure it's amazing and wonderful, but it also comes with being overwhelming and presents problems such as getting your life back together. So it's a good community to be a part of. Just watch out for those, you know. I know, right? You're looking for the, That's exactly. <laughs> for the single oh, man. Wow. Well, you know, they asked me was I uh, was I looking for a wife? Exactly. I told them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Lee, take it easy. Take yeah. it easy. Yeah, slow down, Lee. Jermaine, how does it feel to have your dad home? It's great. It's try. Um, sometimes I feel like I gotta be like the. What are you doing, guys? So like. Some days, right. uh, I know he, I think the roles are reversed a little bit because like, I'm at work and I'm like, what is this guy up to? <laughs> Come to find out, he's like halfway across Chicago, but he's with good people. So I'm like, or people like, tell your dad to call. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, he's you know. Phone. Like, 
He's like, well, I'm, I didn't call him yet. I'm busy. I'm like, and then they call me. I'm like, he's at home, but he deserves all of the attention right now. Right. So now, Chris, I'll, let me tell the truth. Let me tell the real stuff side of it. He hates for me to get out of his sight. Hey, I can't blame him, Lee. You've been out of his sight for 33 years. He wants right? to keep you protected. Right. The, the, I will He's overly protected. Lee. And I love every minute of it. Everywhere he goes, <laughs> someone points a thing and goes, I think that's them. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I haven't paid for food since Thursday. I'm going to sneak somewhere to eat. And before I can leave there, somebody to picked up a tag. Oh, that's awesome. I even, yeah. true story, last night, I went to an area that I knew wouldn't nobody know who I was. Wait, wait, wait. So look at this. So <laughs> we, we scraped up, we scraped together. Like, this is the type of guy my dad is. Though. So everyone scraped together just to give a few dollars so he has something in his pocket. He's out, and it's a guy's getting married. First thing he does is buy the wet, the groove a drink. Yeah. So the type of guy yeah. here, like, right. buys a groom a drink, starts talking to the whole wedding party. Right. And, mm -hmm. like, and the only black guy in the bar, he's over, he, he's pretty much in the wedding now. Cause yeah. <laughs> and they have no idea. They, they have no idea that this guy's spending like the few bucks we literally just gave him. He, yeah. They'd rather see you guys have a good time and yeah. well Lee, hey, this is why Jermaine worries. Yeah. <laughs> Robert flew in from Texas. Uh -huh. I was going to ask about Bob. So, Bob, your dear friend we met, uh, you, you've been able to see him. I've been with him every day. I'm going to be with him in the next hour. Wow. We're Bob is an incredible friend. He um, is, man. Give him our best. He naturally was upset with the news when, when we couldn't get behind your case, but we talked a long time. I think he somewhat explained a lot of the different viewpoints that myself and Chris had and that we could never sit there across from them and say, you did this. It got really difficult in the end to get everybody on when you had even said, I, I may have confessed to everything mm -hmm. over and over because I was chasing that money. And that made it just more difficult, right? But we believed in a lot of your case and we had, we had hoped this day would come for you if it was meant to be. And it was, so this is pretty amazing. It, it hasn't even been two years later. Right. And it, it was just, it was, it was overwhelming, but you know, one thing I didn't get a chance to do and I was kind of upset with myself. I don't think I made Chris. I don't think I got all the way through to Chris to make him understand what I was actually saying to him. And that bugged me. From the minute he hung up the phone, I'd say, he don't really understand. And I didn't clear it up. Well, you know, look, I, I think you did a great job of explaining your story. I mean, you know, your story is your story. I'm there to take what you said and match it up against the physical evidence or the investigation within itself. I couldn't say with any degree of certainty that, you know, you were guilty of this crime. Um, but we were in a position where we had to make a decision and we both had to agree. And we just couldn't overcome some of the things that were done and some of the things that were said in that case. So ultimately that's the reason why we ruled the way that we are. But I am so glad- how do you feel now? I, I feel the same way I did. I don't think that you should have been convicted on the evidence that was presented. You know, I never could have obtained a, a conviction on what was presented in, in your case. We'll say this, I am proud to say that you and your son have been always on my mind since the day that we left Chicago. 
this is one of the few cases <laughs> that I remember all of the details about. I just, it's just one of those wow. cases. Well, because we, Chris and I went at it a lot. That we went at it a lot, <laughs> uh, you know, because yeah. I mean, that that's, that's the nature of how we investigate cases. I mean, we come from different sides of the law. So, right, right. I mean, the so, reality was at the end of the day, and you admitted this on the episode, Lee, at the end of the day, you were chasing that money. And yeah, that's I, something I, I, that is that is known. And I think when it came down to it, what was difficult for production and my partner to overcome, and even me when I was saying the whole time, I, I, I did not believe you had a part in this. Um, it was very difficult for them at the very end when you were given that final chance at a confession and your attorney had said, don't do it. Do not waive having me present. Do not waive your fifth amendment, right? Do not say anything. And I think what it came down to, and you can confirm this or not, Lee, because I didn't get a chance to speak with you. I think in this situation, I felt like when it came down to it, you had placed more trust in the law enforcement than you had in your own attorney. That's how much they had promised you things. And so you did, even down to the very end, for some reason, you thought you were not going to face the consequences of this as long as you did what they said and as long as you cooperated. Am I right? That's right. You know, it's just like if you and I are talking and don't nobody know what we're talking about but me and you, then how do 30 minutes later the whole neighborhood know? Mm-hmm. If I didn't tell them and didn't nobody know but me and you, who told them? I mean, make me understand that. At this exact moment, like, I know you had to go through it. I understand. I respected the fact that you guys made your decision. But I'm also glad at the thing when you both said, I can't look you in your face and say that your dad did that. That was enough for me. Mm-hmm. And now that we at this point, hey. It's still the same. You guys didn't believe yeah. him. I no. never believed. Personally, I never believed he was even there. I, 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 no I, I, thing, and now he's home. So, like, right. it's been such a joyous occasion that, like, like, I understood what went on. And, like, I actually enjoyed the show. Like, I, I know a bunch of people who saw it. And they were like, well, we understand both sides. So, you guys did do a great job of showing both sides of, uh, of the coin. And while, while, one, we feel he didn't do this, mm-hmm. two, Legally, there's something where he literally did something he was supposed to do. Right. And so when you guys presented it that way, there's a certain way that you guys did things. So it wasn't. Well, I'm glad that came across because because yeah. it was sincere and it was probably one of our most difficult cases to make that decision on. Lee, I have to ask you this now. I mean, we're we're so happy you're home and especially reunited with Jermaine. We're so excited for the future, but. You lost 33 years to essentially something you got yourself involved in. What what advice would you give your younger self? What advice would you give young men out there? Be careful who you trust. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful who you trust. Everybody that smiles at you is not your friend. And, you know, I'm a people person, but it's going to be mighty difficult for me to trust some people, you know? And it should. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should learn that lesson. Right. You know? <laughs> That should be one lesson you've learned after all these years, right? Circle is so small now. It should be. You know? And the good thing about it is my buddies is getting me out of here. Come on, you're going with us. That way, if anything happened to you, we know. We know mm-hmm. about it. 
we're controlling the narrative now. And I say, okay, well, let's go. Do you feel a sense of regret also toward Feitler's family? Just in, in I, and I and I said this in the courtroom. My heart really goes out to that family because they thought they had a sense of closure. Mm-hmm. Now the wound's been open all over again. And Do I you feel a sense of responsibility for that closure they thought they had? Absolutely not. Because if they would have listened at me from the beginning, they wouldn't have let them sold them their dream. Mm. I told them, I say, listen, I, 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 I told them, they're not telling you the truth. And, you know, I always respected the old, the, the old man fighting. Because he always said, I hope they get the right person in, in jail. And when they like was trying, may to have doubted. When they was trying to give me the death penalty, he said, "Oh no, because it might not be right." Mm. You know, and I really respected him for that. But all these you know, years in prison, Lee, did you know who was involved in this? Mm-hmm. Don't have a clue. Mm. Don't have wow. a clue. And you know something funny? That ain't my problem no more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's keep you far away from the case yeah, from now problem. on. Yes. No, yeah. Yes. Far let's, away from everything. Far away from the case. Tell us, Lee, now that you're out, what what plans do you have for yourself? What's the main thing you see in your future? Public speaking. <laughs> Seriously, you know, because I think Wait, Jermaine, why do you laugh? Because that's all he's been doing since he got out. He's talking in <laughs> yeah. So he's got a fast start on it. Right. Well, he's always been a talker. Tell right. us, Lee, what, what kind of public speaking? See, anybody can tell somebody what they should do, that they should have goals, they should do this, they should do that. But nobody tells them the best way to try to obtain it. Mm-hmm. And it's simple. The best way to obtain anything you want to do is to believe in it. If mm. you don't believe in it, you'll have lost it right there and there. That's what kept me going. I believed in Jennifer. And let's give a shout out to Jennifer. How do you pronounce her last name? Black? Black. The Blake. greatest attorney in the world. She is she awesome. She is amazing. Jennifer is awesome. And, she and, is a fighter. I absolutely there's, love There's her. one more person we've got to give a, a shout out to. That's the mysterious Eric. It's Jennifer's partner, who was yes. awesome. And he wore a purple suit today to court. He's awesome. <laughs> Eric is so Right, cool. they work together. And kudos to them. They're a great defense appeals team over there. And you're not the first nor the last. They'll help right. exonerate, that's for sure. So we had a family-style dinner where everyone brought their family. And we pretty much closed the Italian restaurant down. And they would have thought we all knew each other for 90 years. Mm-hmm. So, like... All the wives were talking about how horrible all of us were. Like, it was great. (laughs) We gave away staff cupcakes. It was such a, it was such a good time. That's good. And I had a bubble. I didn't have a clue of what was going on, but I enjoyed it. That's good. Enjoyed all of it. Well, I'm sure that'll be, that'll be happening for a while, Lee. It's going to take some time to kind of catch up to everyone around you. Try to stay present and and lean on those folks you really can trust. Jermaine, Robert, you know, those closest to you who have have been in this fight. Brother, we are happy you are home. 
um, the law in your case, I believe it worked because no matter what happened, and this is a reminder for everyone, no matter the actual facts of the case, the legal system does have to work a certain way. And there were things that were not divulged that by law, the prosecution law enforcement does have to divulge to the defense team so that they can provide you an adequate defense. And it turns out that there was misconduct there and that can often lead to these reversals as well. So for people out there who feel like there's all these issues with the system and people getting out, there are ways that things are supposed to happen. And you were deprived of an adequate fight in this from the start and you did 33 years for it. So you've got a lot of making up to do now. That's right. Well, what what I've been telling people is I don't want anyone talking to me about how I felt for the last 33 years anymore. Cause that when they banged the gavel at that point, it was no longer about me. It's about the guy. It's about him. Like the, the, they had up until then asked me how I felt without having my dad. Like all the stories they've always asked me no longer apply. Like, so how do you feel about not having your dad? What did you? I'm like, um, all of that stuff was that was yesterday's news. Um, now it's now it's what is your dad up to? I'm like, you can yeah. call him. So like, it's a whole new scenario. The stories about him is, I it's time for him to write his last chapter, and I'm so glad I get to spectate watching. Without it, like I don't have to be a major player in it besides just being his son. So that's awesome. Jermaine, you are awesome. You are awesome, man. You are honestly, you put such a smile on my face with that because that's such a lesson for everyone, right? What you're saying now is you now have the second chance at this new relationship, this new life, this new chapter, and you want to forget all the past, all the rest. It doesn't matter. All that matters is going forward. And that is very inspiring for all of us because it has been a tough road, but all that's behind you and you're just going to look forward and we're just thrilled for you guys. Thank you so much. Well, will you guys please keep us in the loop? And Jermaine, can you share if by any chance you're going to put together some kind of GoFundMe cash app Venmo for your father? Uh, I know that there are people out there who have followed the case who would love to bless him. We do want to be able to help your dad out and get back on his feet. So please do share that with us. I well, think he does have a GoFundMe set up, but I don't think they want me to know about it. I don't know. <laughs> Would you, yeah. Robert, because Jermaine's going to manage it. Robert did set up a GoFundMe. Go and get you all the info. Get, get that to us, okay? Yeah, yeah. And people to know that in Chicago, we do have a, a, uh, a, a church family that really believe in taking care of their own. Mm-hmm. And that's Fellowship, that's Fellowship Church, Chicago. Fellowship Baptist Church on the South Side. So awesome. God bless. They rolled out the red carpet my dad. That's good. Well, listen, if we're back in Chicago at some point, Chris and I'll be at church with you on a Sunday. Absolutely. We'll join you. We'll let you know. And we'll have they'll reserve a whole section. (laughs) All right. Y'all take care of yourselves. All right. You guys have a nice one. Thank you for coming on and just keep us keep us posted, okay? Okay. And if you need me, just let me know. We will, All man. Right. Take you care of yourself. You let us know, too, Lee. I know, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, family. And this was an update from Reasonable Doubt from your host at the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast. Join myself and attorney Fatima Silva next week for a little more crime. And more cookie juice. Good night, guys. Stay safe.